Hello, happy Father's Day from the Keys bartender. Yes, uh, we are. Let me do it. Okay, I'm turning the music back up. Try to do this right for a change. This is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming from Key Largo on this Father's Day, June 20th. I would normally not be able to uh, do a show on Father's Day, but. My stepdaughter and my wife are away in uh, Poland, and I wish them well. I hope they're having a good time. I got my my Father's Day gifts from my much-loved daughter, Sky. I appreciate all the things she does for me, and her her mother, Abby. I do love them. And I would like to send this special thank you to my dad. Jim Horan, James Peter Horan Jr. I'm the third. But if you ever question whether you're, you know, you feel bad on Father's Day and stuff like that, you didn't do, you you didn't do enough for your father or your father, and you didn't think you did enough. Just think about: Are you? Um, as a, as a father, are your children the most important things in your life? And as a, a child towards a father, is that the m- most important man in your life? Uh, where do they hold their places in your life? So if, it's, if the answer is right at the top for both of them, then you're doing most likely doing the right thing. Everyone's kind of struggling to get things done the right way. It's hard to to raise kids. It's hard to be a good child and all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. But in the end, it's how you feel about that person. And if you love them deeply, chances are they did the things the best way they could, which is pretty damn good, you know? So, uh, I had spoken to my father today, earlier on the phone. He's up in Dover, Delaware. And in the wintertime, we, when we talk on the phone, we talk about how warm it is down here, how cold it is up there. And then, now we talk about other things going on. He's not feeling too great right now, but he's always, his mind's always up in tip-top condition. And... Uh, I love the guy dearly. He was a he, he is he is a really good father, and it's funny. We you know during the commentary when I was talking commentary during our conversation, my sister called him, who's a year older than me. I have a brother who's a little less than two years younger. And when you're talking to your father, who my father's eighty years old now. And he's talking to us. He's still talking to his kids and we're talking to our dad and we feel like kids again. My sister's going, actually, she's less than 100 miles away. She's going to go and visit him in, uh, he's going to go and visit him in uh, Dover with my brother-in-law. But it still feels the same. Like when we were 12 and 13. A little more experienced, but otherwise our relationship with our father and the father's relationship with us seems almost hasn't hasn't changed that much. And then I put it in perspective. I said, we're all almost 60 years old. I'm going to be 58 this year. My sister's going to be 59. My brother's going to be 56. And it's funny that things don't change that much. And uh, we're all lucky. I, I'm sure my brother and my sister share the same sentiment. We're very lucky to uh, have had him as a father. He was a really good father. And, uh, yeah, and I, it's, it's easy to say that to him. It's, we don't have to, I don't have to work through any therapy to say that about that. He's a good man. Didn't curse, didn't curse as much as I did. Um. Not so much around, you know, I try not watching around my daughter, but um, 
in general because I know he didn't curse that much because he didn't just pop out when he did it. But I don't know why he say that stuff. And he definitely he any the way I treat people of different backgrounds and things like that that comes from my dad too because he's equal handed talking to everybody. He normally doesn't make blanket statements about different groups unless they're pleasant. He told a joke to me today, and it happened to be about two Irish guys. He taught me that. He says, you know, it's easier. He didn't say it to me directly, but I came to surmise. It's easier if you're going to make some group a butt of a joke, make it the group that you're in. Okay? And if people get offended then, then that's their problem, right? So, that's what I'm going to leave it with. Uh, Dad, Dad, I love you. I don't know if you get a chance to see hear the episodes. I hope not. Sometimes it's not the you know kind of things you want your dad or your children to listen to. But that's that. While we're at it, I was uh, watching while the girls were away uh, to fill some of the time. I watched a movie. I watched two movies. I watched this movie. They're both, uh, I think, Election was in the early... 2000s or late 90s and the big Lebowski was either in the early 90s late 80s I think it was the early mid maybe mid 90s the big Lebowski uh, may, maybe not maybe it was in the late 80s who knows but while I was watching election there was something that spurred a thought and in the movie election it's Reese, a young Reese Witherspoon, I imagine she was at least 18, 19, 20, because there's kind of some references to her having a romantic relationship with a high school teacher. So I don't think it was like a, a very, you know, minor Reese Witherspoon they were referring to. She probably was in her early 20s at the time. She looked really young at that time. And Matthew Broderick plays one of her, her teachers in the movie and in the dialogue Reese Witherspoon says something of you know I'll just paraphrase it that Coca-Cola spends the most money on marketing even though it's already the predominant soft drink company in the world or a seller of sugar water right and I thought about that and go all the time first when I see commercials, when com- uh, commercials pop on, it's different with podcasting. But TV, especially big-time TV, when you say big-time p- TV, like big sporting events, things where it costs money, to serious money in order to get your ad on, you can see the level of commitment. And I always talk about commercials for some reason. It's like the guy, the roofer in uh, Miami. I told you about this commercial. His name Paul something roofing. And it's the owner of the company. And he just has this 15-second commercial he does on local things. I'm Paul. Give me a call. I'm Paul. He sounds really mooky too. But he, he for some reason in his head, he thought, I'll just do that. I got this thing. I am Paul. Give me a call. Someone probably said it to him in a bar. Hey, Paul, give me a call. And it just stuck to him. He goes, this is what I'm going to do. It could work out pretty good for him. It could work out. You know, when it comes to rule of thumb for me, when I think about it, it's how much you spend on the commercial and how much business you get out of it. And if you don't make enough profit out of the business you get from a commercial, then you're wasting your money. Now, Coca-Cola... It's ubiquitous. It's all over the place. You got Coke machines all over the place. You got the product and all that stuff. And you think, why in the hell do they have to spend all that money on commercials still? Tons more. Tons more than Pepsi. RC Cola. Is it still an RC Cola? I don't know. Royal Crown. That's what was the name of it. But there were the three top cola companies. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Royal Crown. There could have been another one. But they, they were the three callers in the United States. I'm sure there's other things, ones around. And I'm sure there's these knockoff brands, these small ones. From where I was from in Philadelphia, there was this soda company called Frank's Soda. And they used to sell a mixed pack of sodas, a case, where they'd have four, four different sodas in the case. And, 
that was great. You know, you had your grape soda, you had your cream soda, you had your root beer, you had your lemon lime soda. I think they may have cherry soda or black. It was one flavor called black cherry wishniak. And that was kind of weird. Maybe they had to be that way. You couldn't do cherry soda because of cheer wine or something like that. But that was their thing. But I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm getting off topic. I actually wrote things down right here. Right? And I thought about all the different products they sell. They sell cars. So in a commercial, you can understand what a car They're going to say they're going to talk about the main features of the car. You know, collision avoidance systems, safety features. What's that company? Subaru really pushes heavy on that. Volvo used to push heavy on that. Or the fun in the cars or the utility in the cars when it comes to trucks. Right? All these different things. The size of the engine, the interior, the affordability, that stuff. And then restaurants, the type of food they have, like Olive Garden, endless breadstick. I mean, and and cell carriers, what how to sell? They talk about coverage, the phones they feature, and their low cost. Right? And vacation destinations, like the Keys. Whenever I see a commercial for the Keys and it plays down here and I'm going, well, what a fucking waste of money for that if it's playing on the thing down here for the Keys. I live here already, so it's not going to... Oh, well, I guess I'll go paddleboarding because that's what they show, paddleboarding. If you watch a commercial for the Keys, you're not going to see beaches. But people come down here and ask about beaches. And they go, hey, you notice that? You're, they were on a paddleboard over beautiful blue water, but they didn't show white sand beaches. When there's white sand beaches, it's almost always featured in the commercial at a vacation destination. The best feature shows up, and the best feature of the Keys is the blue waters around it and stuff like that. Matter of fact, as I'm doing the show, right now, I have a YouTube channel on that shows drone footage of these beautiful locations. All different places. You know, water locations, forests, valleys, mountains, blah, blah, blah. But, and, and, and it's funny with the Florida Keys. It'll say Key West and the Florida Keys in a lot of these places. Or sometimes they may feature marathon and things like that. Kind of makes sense. Kind of remind people, say, hey, we're here. We can do it. You know, uh, we can fulfill your vacation requirements. Disney World, all those things. Jamaica. Sandals. I mean, they don't... It's funny, sandals were... If if they really wanted to really focus and get certain people on there, they should split up those commercials for sandals. You know, for... They do one and say, listen, you go to sandals. We have four different restaurants. You go have different food, blah, 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 blah. You eat to the heart content as much as you want, whenever you want. Uh, at least when they're, the restaurants are open. And then for people that have drinking problems, say, hey, listen, it's unlimited booze. Unlimited booze. Unlimited. Unlimited, unlimited, unlimited. And yeah, there's two things, food and booze. And then you can show in the background the drinks and all that stuff. And you can pretend to think that even though you're, you know, five foot six and 280 pounds, that you're going to look just as good at that pool bar as the hot models they have pretending to be guest at sandals you know they never show the real people at the vacation places do they you have that thing with the guy with the belly hanging over his uh, oh, you know over his swimsuit where you get that you know you think you know oh my swimsuit still fits but it's sitting down under your belly right now it's not your waist He's about the same size, but your belly's overhanging and stuff like that. Or you have those women, you know, showing, I, I'm not cellulite shaming and stuff like that, but they just never show those kind of people that are actually on vacation at those places. They show elegant dining. It's almost like a black tie affair at this, this sandals thing. Or what it is like black tie with the tropical, you know, white 
nice white shirt and all this stuff, deeply tanned people. What you do encounter when you go to these places, especially tropical vacations, is a lot of fucking people with sunburns. So that they all kind of make sense, those commercials. They could be direct a little better. But the one that really always gets me is commercials for toilet paper. Years ago, there was one for Charmin. It was Don't Touch the Charmin. It was like people going into fucking supermarkets or stores. And there was a guy, the grocer, and he's always stacking toilet paper for some reason. He's not doing anything else. So 95% of the, they must have had a big fucking diarrhea problem in the town that he worked in because he was always stacking toilet paper. And then he would tell people about this toilet paper and then someone would walk over and start squeezing the toilet paper. And he'd say, please don't squeeze the Charmin. Because it's so soft. It's a roll of toilet paper. And it's soft. And you can have a you can have a roll of sandpaper that sounds kind of feels kind of soft, depending on what kind of ply paper it's on. But you know, just because the toilet paper's soft, a roll of toilet paper soft doesn't mean each individual. I won't get into detail, but you know what I mean. It's like some of it is almost you know they got these these real budget things of toilet paper. You can actually see the wood pulp, like slivers of of wood in it. I mean, that military-grade toilet paper. So when you wipe your ass, you're giving yourself like, it's like uh, uh, bamboo under the fingernails. Uh, but but I, once again, I I get off top, topic. They use, in one of these commercials nowadays, now I don't understand, don't squeeze the Charmin. You don't see Charmin commercials too often anymore. You don't see a lot of toilet paper, except for one, and I can't really think, it's one with a bear on it. And he would even make jokes before that commercial and stuff like that. The jokes were, were do bear shit in the woods. And you know bears don't walk around looking for toilet paper. They'll grab your garbage, but they won't grab your toilet paper. And they're not certainly going to wipe your ass with their toilet paper. And they, if anything needs to wipe their ass, it's probably, a, you know, the hairy ass of a bear after it shits. Right? But, yeah, they show a little kid, you know, wiping, a little baby bear wiping his butt with toilet paper. It should be, I mean, if you think of accurate commercials and stuff like that, where does the logical association comes out? Oh, the bear, those bears look like they fucking like that toilet paper. They should have somebody with IBS, right? Someone that has a problem, someone that has a serious problem that has a, uses a lot of toilet paper and say, listen, this is the one I use. Otherwise, the one I used, be, used before, it just felt like I was using a cheese grater on my A-hole. But this toilet paper, I could spend the whole day in the bathroom with this roll of toilet paper. That would really sell. I don't get how they spend millions of dollars on it and how they decide to do it and stuff like that. Where that millions of dollars you spend on animation to have bears wipe their ass with your toilet paper. But I would like to see, you know, change it. But then again, I don't want to be eating. I don't want to hear someone having to run into the bathroom with the, you know, grab a roll of toilet paper run in the bathroom. When you have to grab a roll of toilet paper real quick, grab ours. You know, it's just someone desperately going into the bathroom and they grab the roll of toilet paper and then all of a sudden you see them grab a newspaper. You know, go and reach out and their hand comes out the door and grabs a newspaper that's right outside while they're probably still sitting on the bowl. I hope I didn't ruin your meal with that, with that stuff. Well, that's probably, you know, that's not the only thing I got from watching that show and and yeah, my mind is overworked. A lot of has a lot of that has to do with my girls being away. I have all this extra time. I talk to them. We got to exchange information five six minutes. Then maybe a little later on in the day. See how's everything going. But I noticed in the movie years ago there was a change. Years ago, whenever you thought of a nerd, you thought uncool. But they were generally good people, nerds. They were kind, maybe socially awkward and stuff like that, but, you know, that's the way it was. 
Get nerds smarter than anybody else. To go, if you have a problem, you go to a nerd, they fix it for you. They even have all the industries for it. Geek Squad. Right? Geek Squad, is that part of Best Buys or it's a separate, you know, people that set up your computer and all your electronics and stuff like that. I I don't think I ever had to use Geek Squad. Maybe I'm the nerd right there. But nerds started getting kind of pretty fucking devious recently. And that the you know, Reese Witherspoon played the kind of like the nerd in the movie Election. And thought she was a little devious, but I thought about all the other devious ones. There were devious fucking evil nerves. And they existed prior to that. First, I'll go to the heroes, man. You have the the uh, Revenge of the Nerds. What was that? Weird Science. Risky Business. Back to the Future. Uh, Michael J. Fox wasn't the nerd. He was kind of like a weirdo hanging out with his old man. An old man with a high school kid. The old man was kind of like the nerd. The weird nerd. But then you, you, you had, you always had in the background these evil scientists who weren't, who, who, who weren't nerds though. You can't say Blofeld was from 007 was a nerd. Yeah, he did have a cat sitting on his lap and he wore these weird kind of Chairman Mao outfits. Or you got Lex Luthor. And in literature, you had Dr. Frankenstein and Van Helsing. They were cool. I mean, Dr. Frank- Frankenstein was messing around with dead bodies and stuff like that. Not in a, the weirdest way possible. He wasn't having sex with him. He was just putting, you know, building people out of it. And, and Helsing was killing vampires. Right? But to now recently, a lot of nerd nerddom has come under a serious sea change with hacking with all the new business dealings now we had derivatives there were nerds that came up with derivatives in the financial market when I say derivatives it's a financial device that ensures against losses in the stock market and the Libor scandal that's the way banks charge interest and, and stuff like that. There was the Libor scandal happened, I think it was in, in Britain, where some guy was trading illegally. But a lot, it was hard for people to figure it out because nerds were involved. And then you have hacking now. And don't get, don't fool yourself. These are just evil fucking nerds going doing this stuff. Now you have the really good nerds, you know, you have the anonymous, I think they're, I I think anonymous is nerds with a conscious, but the ones with the hackers, when they do it for ransomware and shit like that, they're they're devious. They're devious fucking nerds. And then you got the real big ones out there: Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, some point Jeff Bezos, uh, Steve Jobs. He was kind of like cool nerd. He didn't stay around long enough to do anything super devious. But when I say devious, like this thing is Zuckerberg and stuff like that with their privacy issues and the, the way people could disseminate fake news and shit like that on, on Facebook or Elon Musk shilling his Dogecoin thing on Saturday Night Live. Fucking manipulating a market, manipulating a market by saying shit. I mean, if the guy's worth billions and billions of dollars and he says something about it, something he's bullish on, that's going to affect it. And Jeff Bezos with Amazon, cornering a market on retail, fucking internationally. I mean, the Chinese. They, I mean, Jeff Bezos, Bezos is a single guy, and his competition is the country of China. Pretty fucking... Thing. I mean, maybe I'm jealous about that, but I think they're kind of sneaky. I think, I think nerds have really made a big turnaround because the nerds in the Tri Lambs from Revenge of the Nerds, they were accepting of everyone, and they only fucked around with the jock fraternity because the, they fucked around with them. 
They stole their house, their fraternity house, and they they play tricks on them and all this stupid shit. But yeah, it's it's a sad day. Or maybe nerds are being depicted like anybody else. But as time goes on, when there's not, you think about hundreds of years ago, technology really didn't give you a great advantage to be able to defeat other. I guess somewhat, you know, if you think about the technology of the longbow, the longbow, the British long, or the, the English longbow, kind of took French knights at the Battle of Agincourt, take my word for it, but this is what happened. The longbow was a device and, and crossbows too to be able to penetrate armor so wealthy people couldn't ride into warfare with impunity. They were able to pierce armor or I guess, you know, they. If they I guess there could have been reinforced armor that kind of would be somewhat helpful against the piercing but, you know, the longbow kind of put an end to that thing where people were walking around with a shitload of armor on because all you had to do was do that. And then you had gunpowder and cannons and all that shit. Yeah, but you still had to be somewhat non-nerdy to go in there and do that. Nowadays, nowadays, the nerd... Uh, like, you can, go, you can go to the gym, get beefed up, hit yourself with steroids and stuff, get real big, study martial arts and to your, it falls out your asshole, right? All the, all the stuff that you know, you just build on muscle upon muscle, man or female. And then all of a sudden, some fucking nerd with a drone could kill you, right? I mean, a nerd could kill you with a gun, to get close enough, you know, got sharpshooters and stuff like that and all that stuff. But nerds now, they can not only bomb you with a drone, they could get ruin your bank account, they can ruin your credit history, they can fuck you up multiple ways. And that physical advantage, yeah, in a person to person thing. Maybe a nerd can't do anything in that instant. But if you give them a little information, a devious fucking nerd can ride like Zorro on your ass. If that's what, uh, what's his name said? Cuba Gooding Jr. said in Jerry Maguire. I'm going to be like Zorro. I'm going to ride like Zorro on your ass. I don't know what that necessarily means. But if you give a little information to some nerd, they could go in there, devastate your credit history, Steal money from you. Ruin your reputation. They're all over the fucking place. I guess I'm kind of fucking like a nerd being a podcaster. Being in my late 50s. It doesn't make me technologically savvy like them. But I guess I am. And, And you know what? I'm not that devious. Because I don't think... I have beefs with people and I don't necessarily air them. I don't use the podcast to air them because who the fuck wants to hear it? Do you want to hear it? I don't think you want to hear it. And matter of fact, I don't want to develop those kind of feelings. You know? It hinders me. It, it would hinder me from doing things in the future if I started becoming punitive. I, I, I come from a nerd background. Though my skills on certain levels, my nerd... My nerddom is more in the social sciences and somewhat in vocabulary, somewhat in other knowledge, but not necessarily in computer technology, even though I can learn like, I guess, is this the podcast where I'm similar to the monkey they send into space, but the monkey didn't help build that, did he? I'm not building. Well, I'm building a podcast, but I didn't build the technology behind it. But I, I, I can operate it better than the monkey they put into space. 
Because the monkey didn't come up with his own content when he went up to space. The monkey didn't fire back anything other than, oh, the monkey's still alive. And when he comes back to landing, stuff like that. Yep, oh, the monkey's alive. Doesn't really seem to have too many damages, you know, damage. Now, if the monkey came back and told them and said, hey, listen, it was a little rough liftoff. If you could do this to stabilize your ride up, it'd probably be helpful on your telemetry. Telemetry. I just remembered that. I remember that from Apollo 13. Well, I'm going to cut this live show short. I want to watch, I'm going to watch a little comedy before I go to work. So I'm going to be positive. And then I got to walk the dog. That's a funny thing about our dog. We have this dog. It's a little older, Roxy. And when the, everyone that has a pet, I understand it's this year, but she's developing new behaviors. And she is much more nervous a dog when they were packing. You could see the dog trying to figure out and say, this is not a good thing. I see things going out the door. And I know when they go out the door, that means someone or some someones wind up missing for a while. And then I wind up with a stranger. So she saw that and she was getting the first day or two. She was freaking out, freaking out when my when Abby and Sky left. I'd never seen it before. Walking out the door, she started barking and just freaking out, tail wagging, breathing heavy. And I hate that. I hate that. I'm not one of these things. I can't just ignore that. I'm not one of those people who leave my dog barking. It's not an apartment, so my dog barking in a house doesn't really bother my neighbors or anything like that, but it bothers me. That this important person, member of the family, is upset. Is upset, and I'm trying to think, what can I get her? Can I get her some CBD treatment or something like that to make her relax? I mean, I'm doing a, a little research, looking at YouTube, and they have separation anxiety stations on YouTube. So you can put them on, and the dog starts relaxing. You know, trying to put on a dog station. Did you ever see the show Scrooged? And Robert Mitchum is in the movie Scrooged with Bill Murray. And Robert Mitchum, who's the head of the network, comes and says, trying, he's asking how the network's going. And he mentions to him, he's kind of kooky. Robert Mitchum at this time, one of his last roles, says... You know, there's research that pets or cats and dogs are starting to watch TV. Well, maybe they're watching TV because the TV's all fucking place and stuff like that. I, my, rarely have I seen my dog get enamored by anything on television. I did notice that if I put smooth jazz on Amazon, now the dog freaks out. Not that I listen to smooth jazz, but I always thought smooth jazz would be good for a dog, and I didn't realize. Jazz may not be a good thing for a dog. Maybe it likes more rhythmic things. And jazz is more freeform. And you don't think dogs aren't necessarily freeform. Because my dog barks in a pattern and shit like that. And Or maybe the dog was doing that Pavlovian response. Every time I put on smooth jazz, it knows I'm going out the door. And it's going to be left behind. It's not going to be able to go outside and go to the bathroom and stuff like that for a little while. So, besides having to take care of plants, which I am all right with taking care of plants, but sometimes I'm like an overwaterer. So, the wife separated them. They put some plants on the windowsill that need water like once a week. And the other plants, she goes, these you can't kill. You can give as much water as you want. Says, oh great, I can do that. I could, do, I could kill a plant from overwatering and stuff like that. I try to talk to it, try to play the right music and stuff like that. I know some people say that's fucking ridiculous. Well, you know, they have a, there's a, plants have nervous systems and they react to certain stimuli. We don't know why it's reacting. We don't know, it's not the content in your words or maybe not that, but it could be like the sound waves or something like that. Who knows? I mean, there was a study years ago 
done not too many years ago, but they were trying to figure out why do some plants or trees seek out water pipes. And the assumption was that it was a response to the tree seeking out water itself. You would think that, and it would make a logical, you know. But with further study, they found out if not some or all of these trees or plants, they're not necessarily seeking out the water, sensing the moisture. It's not sensing the moisture. It's sensing the running of the water, the hearing of it, that, and which is weird because they don't have, so they must be able to sense rhythms or, or I mean, uh, we don't know. But it's not the moisture, it's the sound because they played the sound of water running through the pipes and trees, uh, root systems grew towards the sound not towards the moisture, which is kind of counterintuitive. So anytime, it's weird. After hearing that, it just added more confirmation to me that just because something would seem apparent doesn't mean it's necessarily true. That that's where scientists can confirm it and say, listen, this is not the case. There was one other thing I'm bringing to mind is you would think is counterintuitive is the uh, they went to drought stricken areas of the world and one eco scientist is studying it and trying to figure out they have a rainy season and certain places in the world have the similar seasons but this one when it's off season it just dries up and has scrub plants and there's no grass and everything like that. And they just wonder why. And they notice that other places that are being um, seasonally grazed, where they bring in an, an intensive graving, grazing animals like goats, they did fared a lot better than the places that didn't have it. Because of different factors, you, they didn't consider the aerating of soil just from the the picking at the grasses and the hoofs and all that stuff. And it turned out that the symbiotic, you know, symbiotic relationship in these places, if they intensely grazed, they showed pictures of this place without having grazing animals in, of it. And they showed it in the off season where it's not the dry season. And they showed it after intense graving the same time several years in a row and it's lush with greenery and there's water in the in the gullies or the creek beds as it turns out the land was used to that prior because there was always these migratory grazers that would move through it and they'd eat and then they'd continue moving to more lush they'd eat it down to a certain level and then move on and that was part of the system there. And they, they may not have all of it in, but they do have a better understanding of what works to make a, a healthy system. And I guess that works for people too, because we always think, you know, people in isolation, they go kind of nutty. They did that in the late 1700s, early 1800s. They were came to imprisonment. They thought if you're going to put someone in prison for a crime... And it was only going to be a certain amount of time that solitude would help them reflect upon the way they lived their life, which on the surface sounds right, but it actually made some people kind of nuttier because they had no soundboard to see how, what is normal, what isn't normal. And it caused, you know, it caused great physical stress on people to be alone. And maybe there's a balance Maybe people are different. Some people, you know, after coming out of COVID, when we come out of COVID, we think of all the people that are uh, the, the gun violence, the, the, the people that are pissed off about restrictions, about you give some people killing other people after being asked to put on a mask. 
being asked to put on a mask. But then again, you know, people want to... There was always stories about people just getting fucking crazy over the most innocuous things. Just so much to be learned about that. I think people are just like... They're individuals. That's why it's so hard to figure people out. And that's the one thing where I think when the people make the argument against free will, that there's no free will, that everything you did leads to a certain point in your life and that it's just the way it is. I believe there is free will because there's so people are so different. And some people act more in a predetermined fashion, like lacking free will. And there's other people that act in a more free will, like a free radical thing you would call, like you can't, can't predict. That's a theory. And I think it's a hybrid. The humans are hybrid. Some people are predestined to be crazy and others are predestined to live their lives diversely. And they go through seasons. Some people don't. Sometimes the seasons are predictable. Sometimes they're not. And that's that's the way I view people. It's like when you have people that come into the restaurant, there's people that act the same way. Each time they're going to complain about something. That's in their MO. They're going to complain about something. That's what they do. And there's other people that are very unpredictable. And when you meet unpredictable people, some people may say they're manic, they're crazy, there's something wrong. Well, that could be people acting upon the freest of all people. The people that act in unpredictable fashions. I was going to say fashion, but fashions, unpredictable fashions, because there's groups of people that behave that way. Well, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank all you fathers out there for doing the right thing. I hope you do the right thing. And remember, if you're not doing the right thing, today is another day. Tomorrow is another day. You can always re, you know, fall back, regroup, and do the right thing. You know? There's, as long as you arrive, uh, uh, as long as you are alive and you arrive and you're on, on duty... There's always a chance for redemption or to do the right thing. And uh, thank you for listening. I'd like you to share. If you are listening, please share the show with uh, your friends and family. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you're in the area, come to the catch at MileMarker102 in Key Largo, Oceanside. Open seven days a week. If you do come in, make sure you tell them the Keys bartender sent you. I'd like to thank all our listeners from all around the world. All around the world. Mainly the United States. I understand that. I should say about 90% of the listeners are from the United States. The rest are from different places in the world. Um, if I did a breakdown, most of them are in Florida. And then you have Pennsylvania, my home state. And then you got a smattering in the, in the Midwest. And I'm starting to get penetration. Penetration, I like that word. Penetration into uh, the western part. We're always doing all right in the south. But uh, we are slowly, slowly expanding. I guess when it gets out there, I mean, there's probably a way to do it quicker. But I don't know if the quality of the show is worth that. I will have to modify it. I do intend... And if I say it, I'm going to say Tuesday night at, let me think, 5 o'clock. I hopefully will be available at that time. And I will tell you on Monday morning if I'll do that. I hope to be doing a show from the Catch Restaurant. If it's not rainy, it'll be outside. If it's inside, that could be a little problem. We'll find out. Maybe maybe I'll do a recorded show. So during the break, I may be doing it during the, uh, the trivia night. 
I'll come in there, do some recordings, ask people some questions, walk around to the different teams when there's a break. See, talk about strategy, trivia night strategy. Talk to the host, Sean Dickens. Surprise him with it. He's a funny guy. In, in an intentional way. I wouldn't want to talk to, you know, I wouldn't want to bring, well, there are funny people on that are accidentally funny. But uh, we won't, well, they're, they're, they're probably going to be there too. Tribute people are a unique breed. Just like any group of people. Like NASCAR folk and all that stuff. And sometimes they overlap. you got NASCAR folk that are trivia people that are... One is fantasy league people and also have and a foot fetish. You know, I guess when you have to... When you have different interests, you put yourself into different categories and those categories get smaller as you add more to it. You know, soccer fans, soccer fans who are, uh, let's say, QAnon, that are vegetarian, that may be atheist and might have a foot fetish, that could be a real small group of people. But because we have the internet, we have a for, fortunately have a place where someone could set up a Facebook page and say, this is what I am and this is what the group's about. It's all these different groups. And before I get off, there's a group uh, and it's set up. It does say there's a Florida Keys request line and there's a Key West one. And sometimes when people get on uh, these two groups, they're all kind of, they're there's uh, most of the members are either people that live here or people that want to be here. They're going to be about to go in there. They look these up and they join it and they ask locals questions. And one of the questions was, I'm coming in Keys. I just want to know I'm going down to, I'm going to be in Upper Keys and we're going to go down to Key West for a day. And some person, I almost said something else, said, forget about the Upper Keys. Go to Key West. And they were in Key West. I'm like, what the fuck is that all about, man? You don't know what the person wants. If they want to see some guy, you know, dancing with uh, tassels on his nipples, that's their main thing? Yeah, it's Key West. I know there's more things to do other than that. That's Butterfly Observatory. I'm going to be down there doing it. I understand. I understand. There's a lot of excitement. On Duval Street, a lot of drinking, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of drinking up here too. And people's shit talk. Shit talk. We're all in the same family. If we get them down to Keys, let's treat them, treat them right. And they say shit about your place. You know, I didn't. I just mentioned tassels on some guy's nipples. But I didn't say Key West is shitty. And then another person says, oh, don't go to Key Largo. Amorada is much better. Amorada is a little different. It's a little, yeah, Amara is a little classier because they have restrictive building codes and stuff like that. They don't have lower end housing in the amount we have here in Key Largo. But then again, we supply a lot of the service uh, space for service employees. If if you just took everyone that worked in Amarada who lived in Key Largo and the Upper Keys out of that, they would be fucking in They'd be screwed. Half the places would close. So we all work together. I'm not going to say shit about Almirada. I have said shit about Key, um, about what's that place up north here? Ocean Reef. The enclave for millions, millionaire and billionaires, right? Yeah, I'm not going to totally trash your talk. They serve their purpose here too. They spend some money down here. But remember, once again, if Key Largo wasn't here, you, you know what? You'd have a horrible time getting services in uh, Ocean Reef. So stop talking shit about the lower socioeconomic or maybe not the tightly packed tourist attraction things about different communities. We're all in it together. And when they drive down in Keys, we all serve a purpose. 
There's more reasonable places up in Key Largo than there are in Almorada. There's more drinking places down in Key West for the people that want to party. But you know what? Key Largo has better fucking reefs and better fishing. Yeah, I said it. But yeah, depends on what the person wants. Let's be, you know, let's be objective and say, hey, listen, if you're more about, you know, if you're here for diving and stuff like that, maybe Key Largo. If you're there for fishing, maybe Amarada. If you're for water spots and uh, water sports and fun and drinking and stuff like that, maybe Key West. You know, and don't forget Marathon. It's a, you can't be one of those fucking people that have a favorite child and just talk about the child. Oh, Bobby's the best. Bobby's the best. Well, you got five other fucking children. You know, maybe if you didn't focus on Bobby all the time, your family wouldn't be such a wreck. So let's pull together. We're a family. And, and, and you know what? Let's stop talking shit about Miami, too, because without Miami, the Upper Keys wouldn't get all the business stuff like that. You need Miami. You need the airport in Miami. You need the resources that brings. Okay, we're saying shit about Homestead because a lot of work, workers are working in the Upper Keys that come down from Homestead. You lose a lot of people in retail and shit like that. You know, someday when there's robots running everything, you're going to say, hey, man, it's a shame we don't have any more employees. We got these fucking robots and they are fucking boring. They tell the same fucking jokes all the time. And then when they toss you out, they're very rough. Well, that's it for the Keys Bartender. If you have any questions, please send me an email to jim at keysbartender.com. I'd like to thank you again for listening. I, I really do appreciate I will be back, hopefully tomorrow. Talk to you later. Let's play a little music uh, right here.